So we have this this afternoon. Look at the um, kind of wise attention, appropriate attention. We look at the Ahara Sutta, food. is from the Bojanga Sangyuta. So this was the Sang- Sangyuta. It's uh, one of the collections of discourses. Sangyuta means something like uh, linked together or, or grouped together around particular themes. So this particular collection or Nikaya is is uh, suttas that are gathered together around particular themes. There's a sutta, a, a collection, uh, a theme uh, on the kandas, the aggregates. There's a, um, a sangyuta on the uh, what's called the nidana vaga, which is about linking the dependent origination. And there's a there's a collection around the bojanga sangyuta or the enlightenment factors. So there's this whole kind of group of discourses around the theme of the enlightenment factors. Mm. This is one of them. Mm. <coughs> so here again, the wise attention, or it's translated here as appropriate attention, is given a very prominent place in the arising and the sustaining of enlightenment <coughs> factors and starving of hindrances, basically uh, through attention, the power of attention to keep the mind f- focusing on particular, in particular ways. Mm. So it starts with the feeding and starving of the five hindrances. Uh, feeding the five hindrances. What is the food for the aru- that gives rise to unarisen sense desire? Or for growth and increase of sense desire, the theme of beauty. To foster inappropriate attention or unwise attention to this. This is the food for the arising unarisen sense desire. Mm. Food for the arising unarisen ill will and for the growth and increase of ill will is a theme of resistance. Patiga, I believe that must be, which is a sense of being disturbed. It's again, the the words don't always line up, but uh, uh, Pantigo is sometimes translated as resistance, sometimes disturbance, sometimes irritation. Mm. I think it probably literally means resistance, but um, you you can't get something that you you can't accept, you can't swallow, you know, block of some kind. So you start to feel frustrated by that and and a sense of the, the will becomes sour. Uh, or or despondent or angry, so different kinds of ill will. It's not all anger. It's sometimes it's cynicism, depression. You know, the the willingness of the mind goes sour. Theme of beauty. Um, to foster inappropriate attention to it, gives rise to that inclination to try to gobble it up. Yeah, so you get the quality of. Uh, of sense desire. Sloth and torpor, or sloth and drowsiness, well known 
experience boredom, weariness, yawning, drowsiness after a meal, sluggishness of awareness. <laughs> um, <laughs> so to foster inappropriate attention to, to these experiences. Yeah, so, so the inappropriate attention means your attention just kind of rests on it or goes into it or proliferates around it. You know, I feel so tired of the bore, fed up, you know, so we're, we're, you keep making more of it, so your mind absorbs into that. And you go, get dull. Food for the rising of unarisen restlessness and anxiety, and the growth of increase of restlessness and anxiety, the non-stillness of awareness. Mm. So your chitta, sometimes chitta, can mean awareness because that's one aspect of it. We have the the sankata aspect, the con- energetic, moving, se- twitching, vibrating aspect of chitta. As I was saying the other day, you also have this sense of chitta just being awareness. So the two together. You know, this is because of this twofold nature, you might say, or twin aspect of chitta. It's both activated active, impulsive, and it's also knowing uh, that because of this we can keep referring to that knowing quality of citta. Mm. Once something's in the mind, there is always some possibility of referring it to awareness, which is great, isn't it? Considering that, that's, that's all you have to do. <laughs> uh, instead of referring one set of conditions, one set of impulses had another set of impulses, another set of impulses, another set of impulses, which is what often happens. You know, we feel sense desire, so we feel an urge to gratify that, or we feel anxiety, or then we feel maybe we don't really uh, um, feel guilty about that, or we try to stop it. And all this is more and more stuff adding to it rather than just going back to the awareness of that, that impulse. And that so referring things to full to awareness the f- is the process of pajanati or um, sampajana sampajanya. So you note full awareness. You notice where that impulse arises, comes into some kind of filling <coughs> experience, moves on. You, you have a certain sense of space around that. Mm. So we here we get, the, uh, and then the final hindrance, uncertainty. There are phenomena act as a foothold for uncertainty. Hmm. So, so, Actually, all of these are really based on internal perceptions. The, th- the theme of beauty, it means this internal um, perception or theme of that which is attractive. So we, we make something that way. Roses are not necessarily beautiful, they're just roses, but it can be that, the, in the sense, beauty is a sense of the, the attractive quality something in us wants to have. 
ill will, we find ourselves unable to, to swallow something or bear with something or accept something. We find ourselves contracting, resisting, pushing away something. That reaction. There are two energetic states, sloth and drowsiness, when the energy is low and we don't attend to that low state of energy in an appropriate way. Mm. Or with energy or awareness itself is, is agitated um, gets agitated, we're not so we're not able to still it. Then you get this kind of builds up these other two hindrances. Uncertainty, phenomena act as a foothold for uncertainty. Doesn't say very much, does it? Mm. Mm. And I think perhaps you know, people on retreat, you must have a lot of experience just in meeting and hearing teachings around these uh, hindrances and how to relate to them, how to meet them. They are considered to be like a a set of hurdles that you have to get through, cross over. They are the kind of learning ground. Crossing over uncertainty means that which is unknown, you let yourself not know it. So the mind instead of the mind chewing it over to say this is this is the unknown so in, in that there's a sense of clarity you're certain that you don't know yeah. <laughs> so crossing over of uncertainty and it doesn't it doesn't shake you where where uncertainty becomes uh, very difficult is when the uncertainty makes us us feel insecure like uh, we we're rattled by it um, we we need certainty in something. We need certainty in the future, in the past, certainty about other people, certainty uh, about our conditions, certainty about our situations. We can't find it. We start to feel very dest- unstable, destabilized. Then disempowered, and then sort of uh, um, disempowered, and then depressed. And it can get very then it can get very difficult because you you feel that something's wrong, you're incapable of of being clear or being stable. So you've got to catch these things before they really take over. Naturally, there are things that we we are uncertain about. So inappropriate attention in all cases is the is the identification with the grasping at the dwelling on the non non the lack of skillful means around these phenomena around things that we find attractive or repulsive or our low energy states or our high energy states or our st- or things we're uncertain about since all of these happen you know there are things that we find ourselves uh, repelled by or or blocked by or, or unable to accept how do we handle that experience if you just kind of react to it or or then it doesn't work um, so generally the handling of ill, of Ill will or of, uh, of difficult experiences is to start to practice uh, Ill, goodwill towards yourself and towards then towards uh, others if that's if that's you know, p- people who are affected by these difficult conditions so the foothold is really whether one's attention is inappro- is just 
kind of uh, sinking in or glossing over or whether it's responding in a, in a, in a, in a way of using skillful means. And the, and the, the uh, key to that is wise attention, appropriate attention. It's a similar thing for the factors of awakening. We have the seven here. Sati, mindfulness, analysis of qualities, also known as investigation of states. Dhamma-vijaya, persistence, also known as energy. Rapture, also known as rapture. <laughs> Finally, we've achieved <laughs> consensus on this term. Um, Serenity, also known as tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. So these seven, there's a sort of sequence there. The first three are the things that you do. You, you establish mindfulness. You investigate, you analyze qualities. You, sum, you assess them. Mm. You, you see, well, you know, dependent on what kind of things, you know, where does the phenomenon of ill will arise from? Mm. Um, how does it pass? Uh, what's its nature? Mm. Is it? Are things actually uh, um, annoying, or do I get annoyed? Mm. So. Mm. Which is so we start to analyze the qualities. Persistence, you apply persistent energy. And Dhamma Vijaya is, is one of the great ways to arouse energy. So the mind can just be sluggish or taking things for granted and not paying attention. So you get it to inquire, inquiry rather than uh, any other kind of effort is the principal means for arousing energy. You get your mind to work, to look at specific details based upon exactly what, what point in that was the place that you found irritating. Um, does it always that way or is there other conditions support? If you start to use this like a detective mind looking in there and that sort of gets the mind to, to come out of its, um, its dullness or its vibhava when it just doesn't want to be bothered. <laughs> just wants to kind of get, you know, numb out. So you get it to work on something. Those are things you do. Mm. Then rapture is, a, is something that occurs, but it is partly associated with, with doing. Rapture is a sense of uh, when the energy is right, um, then the mind is quite keen, alert, and this quality happens, rapture happens. Samadhi is something that happens. Uh, serenity is something that happens. Equanimity is something that happens. So that you don't, you don't exactly do equanimity. It, it occurs, it, it arises because of these other factors. When your mind is stable, calm, uh, then it is, it, is, it is less shaken. It is more stable. It's more even. It's more accepting. It's less going up and down. So we have the, these are the factors for awakening. And um, so, similarly as with before, to you increase them by 
fostering appropriate attention to them. So you give attention to what are, how do I get, what are the things that, what are the situations or the states or that, that support mindfulness. Yeah, maybe sitting still, um, lessening sense contact, um, breathing in and out, you know, focusing on that. Things that enable one to bear something in mind solidly. Sometimes it's uh, what a mindfulness could be supported by fun- uh, a factor called vitaka, which is the directed mind. The mind actually be picking something up and repeatedly going at it. So you might say that one of the meditation things that people do sometimes is counting breaths. That's vitaka, you get one, two, three, four, and if you lose it, you go back again. So go up to ten and down again. So you, you have a particular definite mental or, or noting procedure that helps to keep you mindful. Um, the Burmese Satipatthana method is very much like, based on that, you keep noting what's going on, noting a sensation, noting a sound, noticing tensionality. So you, you keep that, you know, pl- pointing, 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 pointing. So maybe that helps you to keep mindful, to stay in this uh, bearing, bearing your theme in mind. Otherwise, the vitaka and vichara, which are these two factors in uh, primary factors in meditation, you may even use something like, "Where is the breath now? Am I breathing? Where is the breath now?" And you're starting to drift off. Where is the breath now? Yeah. You get a bit dreamy, where is the breath now? So you, you apply that keeps you on track. This is what I'm supposed to be being mindful of breathing. Mm. Yeah. So that's an example. And you, you, so you give attention in that way. You, it's an active thing. Analysis of qualities. Um, there are mental qualities that are skillful and unskillful, blameworthy and blameless, gross and refined, siding with darkness and with light, to foster appropriate attention to them. So again, this we're um, being able to name what's going on um, and to foster the appropriate attention. So, so we're, a- and we're also differentiating. The analysis of qualities differentiates between this and that. It's a wisdom faculty. Now, here we say fo- you're fostering appropriate attention to um, s- unskillful states. Mm-hmm. So we, we're not uh, you're conscious, you're attentive to, you understand, you're able to name, get the feeling for know what an unskillful state is mm-hmm. so that you know them when they're arising yeah. you, you may detect the, the particular sense of feelings or mental moods or energies that go along with them mm. Means if you've just been practicing mindfulness of the body when you, you get very attuned into your whole men, your bodily sensitivity your nervous system you can feel a sense of anxiety coming on, or panic, or sadness, or depression, or you know, uh, whatever. You know, oh, it feels like that. 
Yeah. And so you kn- you know you know it before it becomes really rampant, or maybe you know it when it has become rampant. But um, the idea is that if you head it off at the pass. It's better before it really takes over. And then, right? So and, uh, so it's this sense of um, you know wise attention, appropriate attention, scanning the whole thing. And uh, in this case, then, we see even the unskillful factors of mind can be supportive for appropriate attention. Because you learn, I suggest, at least I learn, from the unwholesome things. You have to learn what's unwholesome. It, it, it strengthens one's wisdom faculty. You know, to say, oh, this is uh, what jealousy feels like, or pride. Mm. Mm. And knowing it in yourself, you're ma- able to handle it with dispassion as an object, as a phenomenon in yourself and in others. Now, inappropriate attention would be that we either deny these things happen or we identify with them, or we identify with the absence of them. I'm someone who never gets angry. If you see someone who says that, you want to be very careful about them. Because <laughs> it means someone who's in denial of their anger. <laughs> so, so, or they have no real way of, of understanding it. So, so when they're angry, they're not being angry, they're just telling you the truth. <laughs> or something like that, you know. Or it's suppressed. Mm. Someone in, uh, the, if you look in one of the suttas, the Samana Mandika Sutta in the, in the uh, Majjhima Nikaya, where the, the um, two, two, two people are talking, uh, and one is a dis- disciple of a Jain, and the other one's disciple of the Buddha, and the disciple of the Jain is saying, well, as far as he can see, the no- a noble one is one who has no evil intentions, no evil thoughts, no evil speech, no evil deeds. This is a noble one, enlightened one. And so this disciple of the Buddha listens, and he okay, takes this to the Buddha, and he tells this to the Buddha, what do you think? And the Buddha says, no, rubbish. <laughs> and he says, because this is the case, then a newborn baby you know, doesn't have any evil intentions because all he can do is just sit and go, eh, you know, <laughs> and doesn't do any evil deeds. Can't say any evil th- speech because he can't even talk. That would be an enlightened one. He said, no, no, a noble one is one who understands uh, an unskillful uh, thought or mood as it's arising, understands what it is, understands uh, it as it passes, understands the way leading to its passing. So you have to really study the unskillful states study them don't just get kind of prissy about it all <laughs> so again you know the fundamental thing I think we've been I've been trying to bring across is is that if we're able to see this as phenomenon rather than take it also personally that is one basis for wise attention hmm? and then we're not less kind of hampered by uh, self-reference around it like I'm a nasty person or or I'm a totally pure person. Just, no, you're just that's that op- in awareness. All these things can occur. What causes their arising? What causes their ceasing? What sustains them? What leads to their elimination? That's what we need to know. Mm-hmm. So we w- potential for effort. So persistence. Potential for effort. Exertion striving appropriate attention to these 
what is it that gets one motivated yeah what is it where does where does uh persistence and energy come from applied effort come from sometimes the very word striving makes one go a bit wobbly at the knees um <laughs> Because often people feel kind of a bit overstriven already, just in managing their lives, or very tired or worn out, or just don't like that sense of pushy forcefulness that the word striving brings up. Mm. But where do you get to feel really motivated, keen, and and also how do you get that you have the resources to make an effort? You feel strong, you feel uh, relaxed, you feel confident. You know, you've got some juice and you want to do some skillful things, some good work. Mm. And it can be fun, in a way. Mm. Generally, when you're playing, playing games, one has quite a good resource of energy. Yeah. And so it's, it's the, yeah. so y- again, we, we look at what is it that motivates us. Rapture, I think we talked about um, mental qualities that act as a foothold for rapture. Uh, vitaka, vichara, that's these two, foc- two directive uh, qualities uh, of mind, of the thinking mind, ability to just focus in, keep going, and the uh, quelling of the hindrances. The sense of being able to enjoy. So whenever your mind is able to shake free from the hindrances and the, the full awareness of that, then rapture arises. It's a kind of lifting. Suddenly the pressure of being weighed down or the driven states of these unskillful, driven, driven experiences, unskillful states abates and you feel a sense of, oh, wow. You know, you feel something rising up, lifting up. You pay attention to that. We need to pay attention to the, the uh, sense of well-being that we do experience. And the more you pay attention to it, the more it will grow. Mm. Serenity so is the a uh, little more restful than, than rapture. It's a sense of calm, contented quality. Concentration and equanimity. So... And then the sutta goes on to describe the starving of these. You know, it's starving the, the starving the hindrances. So he says, sense desire, the lack of food, what doesn't give food for it, the theme of the unattractive, the lack of food for the arising of unarisen ill will, awareness release, and the one of the awareness releases is through uh, in this in this case means the release of awareness through kindness, compassion, appreciative joy and equanimity. So th- this awareness release, release I- it can be used in a, a number of ways. So anytime the mind is released from obstructions, that's, a, that's an awareness release. It doesn't mean you've got to wait till the com- Nibbana and the full, the full Monty. Um, anytime that your mind is, is getting shaking off <laughs> a hindrance, that's called release. <laughs> and so good goodwill and appreciative joy and so forth. These are vehicles for awareness release, for the release. And here this citta, citta is being talked about, citta vimuti. Your mind isn't, isn't weighed down. This is a 
jitta vimuti experience. That's what he means. This is what is being translated by as the term awareness release. Jitta here means awareness. Um, lack of food, the arising, run arisen, um, sloth and torpor. Potential for effort. So then I think we've been through all these actually. And so on. Okay, so I'll just leave that there. And see if you have any questions or comments. How do you apply appropriate attention to starving the hindrances and fostering skillful states? And so far it seems that one always comes down to talking about the negative factors that we should restrain and and cut off and starve, but also to realize that this is about fostering and generating, giving rise to positive states. Any tips, advice on how you do these things? Strive to make the body comfortable. Comfortable body posture, yeah. Both externally, that is you're sitting in a good position and internally relaxing tension in your diaphragm or opening your chest. Mm. Yeah. And then focusing on it, the bits that are comfortable. Not feeling the parts that are. Yeah, right, not giving too much attention to the less comfortable bits. <laughs> Since there's always something that's a bit uncomfortable in the body. Regarding other faiths, being open to mindfulness, their practices. Bearing them in mind. Yeah. And what does that do for you? Um, compassion, open heart. Uh-huh. When you um, experience, we might call it negativity or violence, anger, uh, separation, um, we all have a, a sharing. And to be mm-hmm. open to that, and not to lose sight of it. Mm-hmm. Open to the struggles and conflicts yeah. that other people experience. So that would give a rise to a sense of compassion, and other people's realizations, however they found them, you get some sense of appreciation that this person's realized something skillful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I found anger the hardest one to deal with. Uh-huh. And sometimes I don't even know why I'm angry. Um, I'm quite confused about it, but I still feel a lot of fire. So sometimes I used it to do something, like decorate. <laughs> 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 Have you just uh, noticed the whole retreat center has been repainted? Have you been <laughs> angry of late? Uh-huh. And said it goes away. Occasionally I'll phone somebody and talk to them about it. Not not the person who I think I'm happy with, but <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's not important to me. Um, but I think that for me that's been the hardest one of all of the feelings I've had. Because it ca- takes over, it captures you, or you just frightened of it. Mm. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a frightening. And so I just want to keep myself safe till it's past. Mm-hmm. 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 M
you know, that can cause that sense of something, blow, you know, I'm going to get out of here. Someone's uh, taking something of yours away, you know, someone's, someone's, um, like, so jealousy, she's got, he's got something that I want, I'm being lessened by that, you know. And so those, those, those perceptions, and all perceptions have some truth in them, you know, so through the house, some, you see a fire, there is some truth there, you know, that, that there is a potential for danger, a fire is a dangerous thing. So it's not that it's inaccurate. The perception has got some accuracy to it. As it happens, the house isn't on fire. But the immediate perception, fire, danger, children, that's, uh, you know. And with these, with threat, you see, the point of it is, with threat, is that you get this automatic reaction because if it's really dangerous, you don't want to hang around pondering on it. You have to act quickly. So, you know, if something looks like a tiger, you, you run. You don't stay in one figure whether it is or not, because if it, <laughs> <laughs> if it is, you'll, you'll be gone. So if it looks like one, you, you just, you know, marshal up your resources and, and run, or fight back or something like that. So that's what the, why it's so immediate, the reaction. Because if it's threat, the body will it get activate before the thinking mind can figure it out. It's got to be quicker than that. That's why it's so so instinctive, so such a fast reflex, the anger reflex. Probably quicker than the greed reflex, because you know, if you have a say if you're a rabbit, right? You're a rabbit and you put a carrot there and a tiger there, which do you think you're gonna give most attention to? <laughs> you know, because you you might get another carrot another day, but if you don't get away from that tiger there won't be another day. <laughs> So you, your response to threat is much quicker and more volcanic than your response to something that's attractive, because you know, it's very about life-threatening. So that anger that is, is a very immediate rush. You know. So it's supposed to be there because its basic sense is, and I, I mean, mice get will get angry. You know, if you corner a mouse, it will. If it can't get away, it will rear up. You know, to try and defend itself, because that's what it has to do. The the uh, what we need to recognise is sometimes, you know, th- the perception that's triggering it is completely irrelevant. Actually, he's not threatening me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I felt that sense, but really, this isn't a threat. You know, you know, sometimes we get angry with other people. He's not someone who's um, you know, obstructing my freedom. He's just a silly old git. <laughs> you know, or you get angry with a sewing machine because it's not operating quickly the way it should be. Well, the sewing machine isn't doing it on purpose. Or you get angry with your car when it breaks down. I'm mean, not talking about you, but one does, these kind of things. Actually, the, the car has, hasn't decided to to be annoying to you. It's just, so we, we start to check in with these perceptions of where we feel, you know, our li- we're limited or being held down or repressed or whatever. And is this true? Is it really true? So we have these stored up perceptions that some, sometimes have been established over years. And we can keep checking in with that. Mm-hmm. Remember the mind, the chitta, 
responds to its own perceptions, not to external data. The jitta doesn't respond to other people, it responds to our perceptions of other people. Now those perceptions have got some truth in them, but they're never absolutely true. And sometimes they've they're got very little truth in them at all. So, yeah, so, you know, it's good to just examine the perceptions. If you, you know, starting to bring around that feeling of feeling lessened or shut out or threatened or made look silly. And is this really happening? Check it out, you know, those sorts of things. So, and the other way, of course, is that when we do feel that, that rush, then how to steady it, master it, you know. Uh, how to act promptly, decisively. You know, it may be a prompt, decisive. When you see a fire, the prompt, you have to be prompt and decisive. Go and put it out quickly, promptly, without dilly-dallying. But there's no need to get angry about it. You know, so that, that, that the, 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 the speed and, and the, the immediacy of the action, the strength is required. But we don't have to have the ill will. That That, that will make us less competent so it's good to foster attention to that give it good attention understand it sympathize with it it's trying to do something it's trying to look after you and check out well you know it's as if it's like a like a genie that comes out of the lamp when you rub the lamp three times the genie comes out (laughs) consider it like that it's it's a it's an energy that arises that's you know, it's supposed to be helping you, but it isn't. So you need to, how does the lamp get rubbed and inform it, you know. Because it, it can be very, very frightening and, uh, you know, of what actions one might do under the influence of that. Might even spend some time just in meditating, considering things that make you feel angry. Just see what happens somewhere else. (laughs) 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 And it has some paintbrushes nearby. (laughs) It's strange that you're you're saying about perception because um, my son put up a kitchen, an extra kitchen. Cupboard on the wall, and uh, because a friend was coming to stay for a while, and we needed more, more cupboard space. And um, I woke up about well, she moved in, and we both woke up to this almighty crash. And um, she said, "Don't go downstairs, Mary. I wouldn't go downstairs." <laughs> so I said, "Oh, don't be silly." So we both went down, and the cupboard was off the wall. And we'd carefully the night before filled it with all bits and pieces and china and, you know, jars of rice and then all this sort of thing. And the whole kitchen floor was just a mess. And um, I just suddenly looked at it and it just seemed hilariously stomach. And, and I couldn't understand. She said, you're a strange one. I'd go and <coughs> what I'd do to my son if that was my son's work. But it just seemed, and it was just a mess. It was just things. And it's just like a trigger in my head. 
you know, like you're saying, a perception. I could have said, oh, what a mess, or what a waste of money, or what a waste of time. But something went in my head, and I just was able to... Um, we just sat down and had a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> a cup of tea, great. <laughs> Unpleasant, unpleasant or pleasant sensations, yeah? Is there, like, if it's really um, gross, pleasant sensation, then I can watch it. But when it's subtle, then I don't know whether I'm really enjoying I've started enjoying it already, thinking that I'm watching it. Like, how do I, how do I know? Well, I guess you know by how whether your mind is feeling slightly uh, drugged, you know, saturated with it, or whether there's something clear and spacious about that. Whether you can turn your attention away from it. If it's pleasant, can you say, okay, I'm gonna, there's there, I'm, le- I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, if your mind doesn't want to leave it alone, it would seem that it's getting hooked on it. Yeah? You can you can ask it, you know, what would it be like if this wasn't here, or, or deliberately turn your attention away from the pleasant sensation. The <laughs> So if it doesn't want to do that, then you, you you know you're getting hooked by it. So when I'm sitting, I'm in terms of meditating, feeling the sensation. How how do I look away from the sensation? Because it's all there. Well, you recognise that to to. Um, in, in such a case, you see, there, there's the Buddha called a different kinds of pleasant, the samisa and niramisa. Samisa means pleasant sensations that are associated with sense contact. Uh, niramisa means pleasant, uh, experience, pleasant feelings that are associated with uh, contentment, uh, skillful states of mind, um, um, mindfulness and so forth. So you don't want to turn away from those. If, if they are... Well, they 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 are they are the they are the qualities that will bring around rapture, ease, and samadhi. If I'm just watching the body and I'm not really thinking about the contents, then I don't I don't know the difference where it's really coming from. Like, you know, where the pleasantness is coming from, and then how do I? Or I just watch it. Just well, you know, if you're sitting still. And you're experiencing um, a pleasant feeling, then it's not based upon uh, something you're touching, is it? So it's not placed upon something external. If you're just sitting still, then that would be a, a skillful, pleasant feeling. So if your mind is feeling, uh, uh, it would be accompanied by the mind feeling uh, uplifted. Uh, brighter, so you want to you want to develop it. Does the body respond to the thoughts in the mind and create sensation with it? 
Well, by sensations, you probably, I guess you mean feeling, do you? Yeah. Mm. Feeling, but body sensations. Mm. Body sensations would be due to contact. Feeling is the quality of agreeable or disagreeable that arises, or dependent on contact. Yeah. So when you say body sensations, do you mean the sensation of the the, the skin touching yeah, something? Um, when I sweep a body. Ah, okay. Or when I'm really looking at a certain portion of the body, then there are times when it's really unpleasant, times when it's really pleasant. That's feeling, yeah. Mm. Yes. Mm. So I meant in that term. Right, right. Okay. So um, you have two, two bases of feeling, physical, which... You may, you may call sensation, though I think technically it's, it's physical feeling. That is a uh, feeling that's based upon a, a physical absence of pressure, comfort and so forth, presence of that. And you have pleasure, which is mental, which is based upon the, the mind feeling um, absence of sorrow, disappointment, agitation, fear and so forth. So th- those two. And then when they come together, you have an experience called uh, a rapture, which is skillful. So, uh, and it can be the case that the the mental uh, skill can evoke uh, um, a physical quality of feeling. Um, that is by giving due giving appropriate attention by um, becoming more sensitive, by being undistracted, by apply, applying one's attention gently and carefully, then there will be a, a bodily sense of, 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 of pleasure with that. So th- pleasure can be something you can be skillfully crafted. Um, so, and the Buddha says, this is something you should become an expert in, how to cultivate your own pleasure. Do not be afraid of this pleasure. This is not a pleasure that's associated with defilement. This is the pleasure that leads to enlightenment. And his own uh, realization was based upon the understanding of uh, skillful pleasure as a path to liberation. It also says that uh, to... To develop it, to let go, to let go, it says in our sutta. Let go of what? The, the pleasure. Let go, yeah, don't, it's, uh, well, you've got to get it before you can let go of it. Um. <laughs> so, so letting go of it doesn't mean not having it. It means not, not getting infatuated by it, not getting obsessed by it. Uh. So then that's, this is the crafting, the skillfulness of handling the pleasantness. So the pleasantness, instead of uh, having an uh, intoxicating effect, is some, has a therapeutic effect. It cleans out uh, stiffness in the body, it cleans out uh, negativity in the mind, it makes the mind feel bright and open. You know, so it's a, more like a therapy, like a massage. And then a, as, as you get more skillful with it, then you, you begin to sense that the quality of pleasure itself is a slight, still a slight agitation because its tendency to sort of pulsing. So then you, your inclination then becomes more towards 
how does the mind get more still and more still and more still? So the cultivation of samadhi is through, first of all, developing full awareness, then uh, from full awareness, experience the sense of comfort, happiness and ease, sukha, piti sukha, and then from there, developing sense of stillness, where the, the, the sense of rapture dis- is put aside and the mind just becomes more equanimous. But you've, you've moved through that. Mm-hmm. It passes that way. So it's alright if I'm like really wanting to sit an hour, like I really urge for it, you know, like because it's really pleasant. So I feel like oh maybe I'm really just like getting attached to just sitting and I shouldn't be doing that. So all this judging comes about. Am I Bring it on. I think we can. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that, that's that's what the mind the mind does those kinds of things. <laughs> uh, it's a. Uh, uh, why the Buddha says don't don't be frightened or nervous about this pleasure. You've got to open up to it. So you you get this kind of um, you know, this non-attachment becomes a view. So you get the non-attachment. You don't be attached. Don't be attached. But then you, one attaches to that view of non-attachment. Um, what the process of of release is through first of all letting go of of uh, unwholesome states, um, cultivating wholesome states. Wholesome states have uh, associate have a pleasant effect. Yeah. So compassion has a pleasant effect. Uh, loving kindness has a pleasant effect. Calm has a pleasant effect. Because it has a pleasant effect, the mind is attracted to it. And that's part of the logic of it. You can't keep your mind going if it's not getting some food. And its food is pleasure. Yeah. So it's, Buddha's quite pragmatic about it. So you've got to make... So the meditation is going to take you to somewhere where you feel either a sense of clarity or brightness, composure, steadiness. There's something agreeable, agreeable about that. It's not disagreeable. Uh, also, qualities of calm can be very enjoyable, very pleasant. You want more of it. Um, do it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then after a while, you you may see, well, yeah, okay, y- this is getting a little bit like candy floss. Uh, you know, I've had quite a lot of this, and something's feeling this is not quite, uh, you know, that there's a sense of dukkha even in pleasure, because pleasure still agitates the mind. It's you want something you wants to go quieter and stiller. So then you look look around or contemplate any place in that experience where things are a little more steady and still. So you pay attention to the, the steadying sign you know, rather than the more excited sign, the more excited thing, you pay attention to where it gets still, still, still. It may be, for example, if you're, if you're doing breathing on the end of the out-breath or it may be uh, a particular place in your body 
in your body scanning where it, it feels more still. So, or, or it may be particular qualities of how you, how you give attention when you become more equanimous, for example. That is, you're less, less interested in the pleasure. Or rather than swinging into the idea you shouldn't have it, just get the sense of something isn't so interested in this pleasantness. And just stay with that, the sense of mm, enough, enough, enough. And they'll, they'll gradually will calm down. But it doesn't, doesn't exactly go away, it just, it just shifts into something. The pleasure aspect gets quieter till it becomes a kind of sense of more restfulness, restfulness and stillness. And you can just stay with that. Mm. The Buddha said he could stay seven days and nights in unbroken pleasure, sitting under a tree. So if you can top that, <laughs> <laughs> if you get more than that, you could, might have a problem. But mind loses its sharpness. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Try to investigate. Uh, you know, it depends how you're meditating, but if you have a particular, you know, thing that you're focusing on, then you can have the, the pleasant feeling, and sometimes with the pleasant feeling, you sort of lose some of your grip on on the on the object. You start to kind of space out a little bit and uh, then the mind starts to go dreamy <coughs> that, that can be quite a problem so you want to come back more sp- to the specific sensations that you're focusing on or the specific uh, theme that you're focusing on so uh, it's the, there's the images used of like a massage or someone uh, um, having dry powder dry bath powder like um, soap and then putting water in it and ma- rubbing it together so the, the <coughs> so this is the way you, you spread this sense of pleasure through your body through your entire body so um, with and b- as you do that then the pleasant the it says the water doesn't leak out yeah that's the image it's used you get the dry powder put water in it and you start to knead it into a ball and in doing that the water doesn't drip out dripping out refers to when the pleasure starts to leak out and we go a little bit loopy <laughs> so you, you want to kind of uh, have the pleasant feeling and then try to bring it almost into the tissues of your body uh, or into any places in your in your mind your psyche where you feel feel numb or stressed or tense just so you apply it rather than yeah 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 move it around so it becomes so you if you if you hold it and handle it and, a- and are active with it, then you don't keep focused on it. You don't sort of drift off with it. And how about like um, when it's uncomfortable and pain? And like I've been experiencing maybe just kind of uh, trying to be non-existent to it, and just kind of accept it's there. Pain, painful, painful feeling, bodily feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is ill will can rise because you know sensing the pain and then doubt about what they're doing. Yeah. So 
painful bodily feeling um, is inevitable. <laughs> so we need to to use it to work on our responses because the responses are not inevitable. We don't have to suffer because of, we don't have to feel ill will or impatience or frustration. So physical unpleasant feeling is something to be um, handled, given appropriate attention to, so that the, f- the ill will doesn't arise. So um, start investigating it. This is what investigation, analysis, Dhamma Vijaya is about. Mm. Is the pain, is it in your mind or is it in the body? Where is it? Is it in both? Um, what kind of mental actions, gestures, inclinations help to soothe the mental aggravation? Perhaps, for example, uh, being patient or not feeling um, blaming anything, uh, not being worried about it, like my leg's going to drop off at any moment. <laughs> uh, don't, not feeling you have to overcome it. So, oh, here's this, I've got to somehow prove myself. So that makes builds up a certain tension. If you feel you've got to kind of, you know, prove yourself with the pain, then that that creates a certain pressure. So y- y- essentially, you want to release the pressure that, that the pain puts on the mind. Mind is pressurized into trying to find a remedy for it, and perhaps there isn't there isn't one in a way. The only way is to realize there isn't a remedy. Just open up and be more spacious with it. So that's where we work on the mind. You might also uh, contemplate, say you have a pain I- in your leg, as if you were trying to describe it or even draw a picture of it to somebody else. How big is it? How long is it? Does it come in pulses? Is it a grinding pain or a fiery pain? Is it a, a pain that runs or is it a pain that sits still? So you must draw, draw a picture of it, try to describe it. This, this way you get some objectivity and you begin to employ the, the manas, the attention factor, rather than the impression factor. So the impression is, the f- is, is in citta. Right? So another way of looking at of differentiating between manas, the mind organ, and, and citta, the mind base, is that manas doesn't have any feeling. Manas is purely uh, uh, a secretary uh, or a type or a, you know, it just notes things. It doesn't have feeling. Chitta. So manas is good about for object definition. And chitta is about subjective impression. Chitta tells us where I am, how I am, sometimes even who I am. It's very subjective. Manas tells me about the thing. It's black, it's creepy, it's hairy, it's whatever it is, you know. It's an object definer. But it doesn't feel anything. So you want to employ that with, pl- with painful feeling. Because <laughs> then it, it t- takes the edge off the feeling. Yeah. Whereas if we just go into how it feels, then the feeling becomes the dominant impression which is over- overwhelming. If we try to describe what it looks like, then you're employing the manas organ. Do you understand? Say, uh, is it running down the bones, is it in the tissues? Is it long and thin or is it blotchy? Does it come in waves? 
you know. So all that, you're deliberately attending to it, but instead of attending to the subjective feeling of it, you're attending to the objective description of it. And that will mean that the, though the pain is obviously there, you feel less dominated by it. And so the mind, that's helpful. You know, when we don't feel dominated, the mind feels more strong, competent, you know, less, pre- less under pressure. Has to do with physical pain. Yeah. Would that help with um, dying? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's to do with pain. Dying is more than more than physical pain involved. There's a diminution of energy. There's there can be a scattering of attention. There can be uh, the mind becoming weakened. So I mean, it isn't always that case. Sometimes the mind can be very strong, bright. Uh, yeah, but, but so so it does depend on who you know on, on the on each each dying each dying. But. Um, the pain, the pain aspect of it, you can practice like that with it. Try to see it just as, if you, if you, you re- really r- recognizing and bearing in mind and being mindful and repeatedly realizing, it, you know, like you're leaving, you know, one way of looking at it is you're leaving the body. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not quite true, but that's it's a it's a near enough to to get the impression this is this is not mine, this is not myself. You're watching something like you're watching a fire burning. And it's not me, it's just that uh, that's happening. So the more objective you can get around it, um, then the less pressure there is to deal with it or solve it. And then the, for the mind, which is under pressure, feels some sense of release from from that predicament. As every, every pain is such a common thing, it's good to... And it's such a powerful thing to cause such immediate reactions. It's good to have it as a meditation theme. And when it happens, well, let's just spend a little bit of time with this one. Because, you, you know, we've got to have rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal. Because you've got to, uh, got to work against very strongly rooted reactions, which are quite sane reactions. So it's painful, get away from it. True. But we also want to learn to be with pain that we can't get away from. So whenever you have some pain, it's good to spend a bit of quality time just feeling what it does to your mind, what it does to your heart, how you're with that, what you expect. You know, when you've got a body, what do you expect out of it? It's going to do this to you. Um, <laughs> that's its nature. So you get gradually you're training your mind, you get more and more dispassionate around it. Then, uh, then, then the, mind, the mind, which is the only thing that can be released from pain, will become more steady unless agitated. That's the possibility. Ajahn, actually that uh, brings to mind um, the death of my father. In the process of him dying, um, they say hearing is one of the last things to go. Um, So I was uh, 
comforting him, holding his hands, uh, thanking him and wishing him well, saying his work's done. And then he died. But in the process of dying, he had a tear. So he's talking about senses and how the mind uh, comprehends that and whether it comes about through the body. Um, and that's something that we're all going to experience. I just want you to clarify that. If my father's experienced that, I'm going to experience it. Um, we all are going to experience it. Uh, the senses, the tear, did that come about through the comforting? Or he, I don't think he was in pain. Um, Maybe a sense of calmness, released, happy. Hmm. Could very well be. You know, particularly if you were saying he could recognize the sound of your voice, because the hearing is the last, they say it's the last sense faculty to, to fade out in the dying process. So, you know, the sound of a, a voice that he knows someone is close to, uh, speaking in terms that are agreeable, could be very poignant at that time. So it's quite a bit of sort of tension and these sorts of experiences in um, it's been a theme since I first started. I think the mental the mental response to it has eased a bit. Especially after um coming across uh kindness Um, but then the still find tension comes <coughs> up quite often. Um, and part of me, well, especially when I hear the, the sort of teachings you've been describing, of, uh, so you're saying you should become very skilled in cultivating independence. Um, part of me does still feel a little bit frustrated that it seems like that isn't. I just can't develop that skill. And, um, and it's a curious one. So I wonder whether there's, there is a, a path of meditation that doesn't need to have the pleasant and, uh, and that skill, or whether there is still something to be cultivated. If the tension, what, what do you see as the source of tension? Is it something bodily? Feels to be an example of it is that it kind of feels like a uh, around the abdomen, around the throat, can also be in the head, and and actually some of it, say if I lie uh, prone, the belly soften, and I can feel the ease. If I can be alert, induce a position. I can see that, and, and then there's other times, like say, if I'm sitting in meditation and then I've wandered off into thinking for quite some time, I quickly snap back. I find the body's quite open and loose. Mm. So 
I think you're doing the right thing. Uh, you know, you, you begin to sense that it's part that one of at least one of the factors that brings it around is a certain uh, attitude or energy, or that happens when you start to con- conceive of meditating. You know, something about that doing it is a little bit tensing. Yeah, and uh, so. Y- and then, so we'll check that one out, you know. Um, and also that the qualities of, of goodwill become more and more important. Mm. So it's perhaps time to, you know, take take the word meditation and just put it carefully to one side <laughs> and just sort of in a drawer somewhere and just spend some time being in your body, walking, sitting on a chair, being in your body, just feeling goodwill towards your body, you know, uh, however it is, and sort of like, like if you're doing, for example, if you're doing a, a, a any body work or yoga, then you'd really want to explore places where you feel tense, where the body feels tense, um, and question it, ask it, what's, you know, what is be, what is resistance, what does it feel like, is it something needed? What would it be like without this? Uh, what's around this? Uh, so, but not trying to get rid of it, just trying to let it speak. As if you get a bit more space. You know, there may be unconscious, play, unconscious, um, you know, subtle body pressures that you're putting in, holding it a bit stiffly. So just, uh, you know, take some of these medita- def- meditation definitions out, out of the picture for a while. Just see how, it, how you can be in your body in a comfortable way without being that focused, that concentrated. You know, concentration is, is, a, is a bit of a bugbear. And as soon as we feel we've got to be somewhere, that is pretty disastrous for meditators. By and large, so as soon as we get the idea, rapture, joy, bliss, or then that's as soon as you get any idea, that is the way to not experience it, (laughs) definitely, (laughs) because the the very quality of compulsion and drive takes you away from the here and now, satisfaction, contentment, skillful, uh, skillful handling in the body. So you want to look at just take away the time boundaries. You don't have to sit still for an hour. Just find how you can be in your body, mo- even moving slightly, shifting around, just, f- just developing a skillful relationship with the body as it is, without trying to make it, um, you know, meditate <laughs> as such. And goodwill. Widen. So if we sit, just try to feel the space around you when you sit. You know. Is anything behind me? Is anything in front of me? Yeah. Have I got all the space that I need? Um, have I got any time boundaries? You know, can I put down the time boundaries? 
and then you know the more that we can um, for example allow allow breathing rather than do breathing that helps so it's I think working on the doer start working on the meditator so you start to just look at who the meditator is what what the meditator is bringing in because if if you're feeling more comfortable when you're not meditating than when you are <laughs> so something there's a psychological thing that's that's putting some pressure on isn't there I, I think it's like a downward spiral but, um, you're sort of striving and trying to achieve like the, the, the goal why not so you've seen yourself not meditating properly so I, I, this is what I feel like I've done then then I start in you know, to beat, then you feel bad because of that, and, and it's like going down and down and down. Yeah, you just keep adding more and more negative sankharas to the to the heap. <laughs> so it's one of those uh, phrases that has generally has quite unfortunate effects on people. So I think it's probably good to just be really careful with that. It's a loaded gun. Uh, striving. I mean, remember, this is a translation into English of a Pali word which is a translation of an experience so what what is really meant by that mm. and uh, and uh, whether one is whether one is ready for that or suitable or whether if it's bringing up negative responses it's not the right system it's increasing suffering the Buddha you know, the idea is that we we lessen our suffering rather than increase it. <laughs> and yet, it's not through inattention. It's not lessening suffering by spacing out or, you know, drifting off or distracting yourself. It's just a sense of composure, self-respect, presence of mind, easefulness, uh, loving-kindness. These seem to be the more reliable um, attributes, factors that most people find themselves getting good results from than striving. So let's pause now and do some striving. <laughs> Spend some time, perhaps do some standing. So again, if you're, you're finding you're someone who's having difficulty in the sitting meditation, standing might be helpful as a, a reclining and standing because it, it, it very much lengthens the body, you know. So it's, you don't get the same... When you sit, there's always a tendency to get some compression in the midriff or in the lower back just because of the sitting posture. Because it's your, your back muscles and this is the thing that's holding you up. When you're standing, it's the, it's the floor that's holding you up. You know, so something you and just can get more relaxed standing than sitting because you if you learn how to stand correctly softening your softening your knees and really resting your feet on the floor and ho and just getting the right balance standing has less stress in it than sitting you don't really because you don't have to do standing you either stand or you fall over 
generally don't, you don't fall over. But sitting, it, it, it's, it's inherently, it takes a little more effort, I would say. So let's do, start with some stand, standing. Get the sense of balance. Um, also, standing, there's, nothing, there's no real tech, lot of technique in it. You know, so it's quite easeful. So standing, uh, we want to kind of em- empty the upper body, and so that all the the weight of the body goes down into the ground, so the planet can hold us up. <coughs> and really, all you're doing is trying to just get the sense of balance. So the feet, uh, legs coming straight down, more or less straight down from the hips evenly spaced, roughly parallel, strongly connect to the ground, get your feet to wake up, so you might claw the ground a little bit with your feet, as if you're like an ape holding something. So you feel the pulling in the feet, wakes up the calf muscles, flex the ankles, so all this part of the body which normally is uh, when we sit goes to sleep, waking it up. Soften the knees, drop the tail. So if you're just uh, on the bout to sit down, then dropping the tail, loosening the belly. So this, these places where we find ourselves unconsciously holding if you can loosen the abdomen so if you're right about to ride a horse or something like that loosening tuck the tail in let your arms come slightly away from the sides of the body Loosening. Turn, turn the hands. So as if you, so as if somebody else is gently turning your hands. You feel the flexing your hands, your wrists, your forearms, your elbows up into you, where it joins the body. And a few times like that, slowly, carefully, just to wake up these extensions, and also to check. that your upper chest is is not being unconsciously held in. You know, we tend to, to hunch and, um, and contract our chest. So turn the, turn, use the turn of the arms to widen and open the chest. Yeah. Turning the arms, so as if you, your chest becomes passive, but let, just move, moving the arms, letting the chest gently receive that. Drawing the spine in, and then slow, slow the slow that movement down until it stops. Find a place where you feel more equipoise. Breathing in, <coughs> feel how the height, the tallness of the body when you breathe in, 
Feel how tall it is. Breathe out, feel how wide it is. Let yourself be sensitive to those senses without doing very much, just uh, more like an attitude of feeling tall, feeling how tall you are. There's nothing holding you down, there's nothing closing you in. So feeling full, fully uncramped. And then really look, contemplate the sensations and muscles in your face and head and particularly around the eyes and the corners of the mouth. Softening, relaxing. And take a, a question, sl- a slow question, ask it slowly, reflect of yourselves. Anything in all this that you're doing that you don't need to do, anything you're holding you don't need to hold. Anywhere. It's in your finger, in your jaw, in your shoulder, anywhere that you check out the whole bodily domain is anything that you're holding it doesn't actually need to be held anything you're doing you don't need to do so that we're letting all of uh, the pressure of the weight be carried by the the earth consider the space immediately around you as if you are standing as you are as you're standing within something it's not nothing, you're standing within something. At the moment this is just the air or the space element. And uh, imagine if it was something like mist or water, pleasant water, uh, and you're standing in that or even lying down in it. You feel something around you that uh, is both connected to you, touching you, and has a supportive, non-obstructive quality (coughs) to it. Just as if we were coming out of somewhere that's very busy, crowded, and you come into an open space, you feel that sense of, oh, relief, you know. Coming out of somewhere tight or or pressurized into a place where it's it's open, and or you've had a hard day and then you're relaxing in a pool. So what's around you is uh, agreeable. In general, coming up to the feelings in the skin, nervous energies in the skin, sensitivities, front of the face, throat, the chest, the belly, the hands, bit at a time, feeling that what what is around me is uh, free from obstruction, free from intrusion, free from pressure. Notice any any sensations or moods or energies that you you don't want less of, that you don't want to get rid of, (laughs) that you're not resisting, something that's even however mildly it's agreeable, it's not stressful. Notice w- any of that. could be the warmth of your body, could be the sense of stillness, could be the rhythm of breathing, could be 
attitude, no pressure. So wherever you get some some senses of experiences that are non-afflictive, free from pressure, just dwell upon those. Just take that in. Rest in that. So the uh, to the end to the end till we finish this period, you can either stay standing or any time you want to sit down. So just find your own time to take up sitting position when you feel like it, or stay standing until five. <coughs>